Welcome to People's Church Podcast. Happy New Year to you. And it's uh, really great to see you in church on New Year's Day. Uh, I Kind of different every year, like with every seven, you, well, with New Year's, with the uh, extra day in another year, it's a little difficult. But you see a Christmas Sunday and you see a New Year's Day Sunday, and you know that those are always you know, family days and things that we're doing. So I'm always glad when I see somebody show up on these days. We had a really good Christmas Day service here, by the way, after a great run of Christmas Eve. I want to start with saying a few thank yous. Um, It's been an amazing year in many different ways. High challenge, uh, all of the different upheavals that are taking hold uh, in our world and uh, outside of the normal things that you as a person go through. Then as the church walks through this kind of time too, You know, it's always, I want to compliment those steady people that have served, given, been a part of, and uh, really your faith bit in, in this year. And without people like you, the church lacks the power. The power to be able to continue to proclaim the gospel, live the gospel, influenced by the gospel. We had a wonderful uh, run in, in the December, despite... Wasn't that just a horrid weather month? I mean, that was cold. It was freezing. Everybody seemed to be sick. And it was quite a challenge. But we still pulled off two very good banquets. We pulled off three very good Christmas Eve services. And uh, God really did something. So many of you served in those special services. Thank you for your time and that you put in on those days. It's just something that is special when you know that there's sacrifice like that made for you to help uh, make the day and the occasion a success. So there's a lot to give thanks for, and so many. And uh, just a public thank you, though, to the servants uh, of this church and who did a remarkable job all year long, all year long, building out of COVID, building out of all of the challenges, and uh, you've made it special. So thank you from me. Today, we're going to begin a series about how to reboot the things that matter to you. I don't know about you, but I often end up having to reboot my computer at times. Um, I'm told that it's because it has too many files on it, and so it can lose its, you know, kind of holding capacity or whatever. Don't ask me. I just know where the power button is. I get other people to fix that stuff. So then it's got to be rebooted. You know, A lot in life is like that. Your files, you just get too many files. Things get kind of, it's not, there's no intentionality to to power it down. But you're getting powered down largely because your life is either so full or the wrong files have too much space and you end up with a problem in the things that really matter to you. I was in a conversation this week with a man who's a businessman in town. And uh, so he was volunteering some of his challenges as it's kind of the New Year's kind of deal. And um, how for him, he was speaking about, it's just, it was the balance thing. It was this idea that it's really hard to know the line between, you know, where ambition drives you over here and where what you really, you know, would say is really what life is about is over here. And the balancing of those two forces in life. And so we had quite a discussion on that because it's a very common thing, finding that balance between those kinds of things. So this month, we're going to be talking about things that more than likely matter very much to you. This is just going to be an intro today to start at the, the most important step, the very first step in doing this because Most of you, in fact, all of you to some degree are going to suffer from a condition that makes the restarts that God gives you, the opportunity for restarts, for rebooting, for resetting, um, that is something about us that can really set uh, set that back and hold us back. And so I want to talk about the very first thing that's really needed for you to actually reboot, restart, uh, reconnect, reset, with the things that matter the most in life. So many people get caught up in these kinds of struggles. I, mean, I, I won't say so. I, everybody does to some degree. 
So what we're going to talk about today is a setup so that you can actually begin to do the things that matter the most to you. Really do them. I mean, really have the power to do them because that is what you need. So let's start with a little self-evaluation quiz this morning. You want to have some liberation. You got to have, you got to be free. You've got to be free to grow. You've got to be free to make change. And I'm not talking about just freedom of physical movement or things like that. I'm talking about freedom from the inside out. But let's just do a little bit of self-evaluation and see if this condition that we want to talk about today has any kind of traction in your life. Do you, here's a question for you. Do you ever feel guilty when you relax, knowing you've got a lot to do? Okay, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but I saw that hand. Yes. <clears throat> do you ever feel guilty when you relax and you know you've got a lot to do? Let me put it this way. You can raise your hand if you answer it this way. Um, when you've got a lot to do, um, do you find that uh, relaxation is difficult? Is that a more polite question, a way of asking this? Relaxation is something that you need, but often it is not something that you have, simply because there's something driving it beyond that, and that is this list you've got a lot to do. Here's second question. Do you often feel dissatisfied or discontent with yourself or your situation? How high is that meter measuring your dissatisfaction, your discontent with yourself in your situation? Interesting. How about this one? Do you have a tendency to see something wrong when things, with things rather than what's right? Do you find that it's really easy for you to see what is wrong? rather than what is right? Do you ever find yourself using these phrases regularly? I have to. I must. I ought to. I should be able to. Has anybody in this room not used those phrases? We recognize this because you and I are infected with the very same condition. And this kind of reveals it. Do you ever feel frustrated? Or maybe even angry at God, feeling that his expectations on you are unreasonable. Forgive that person. It's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. Does your relationship to God seem like a burden rather than a blessing? The condition that we're going to talk about you would be answering some of these questions strongly and affirmatively within the positive part of it. And if you can answer yes to any of them, you're probably afflicted with this condition. Are you ready for the condition? Perfectionism. How many got it? Don't raise your hand. Perfectionism. But we want to tear this apart today because I want you to understand the power that it has over your life and how it can be really hindering and hurting you. Because you're coming to the end of a year, you're starting a new year, and if you don't change the fundamentals of how you interact with yourself and how you interact with God, then you can't change the actual things you want to change or reaffirm the things you want to reaffirm. This is something that affects all of us. Perfectionism is trying to prove my worth by being perfect. So it has a direct tie between what I do and how well I do it and my worth, my value. It is a counterfeit of spiritual maturity. It's not the real thing. Trying to prove my worth by being perfect. It's my opinion, folks, that perfectionism is the number one hang-up of believers. Christians, you're really subject to this. Especially if you're really, and you're dedicated this to God. You really want to be more dedicated. You're really working at this. You see what happens is that grace is, becomes a misunderstood thing. And it becomes something that's just sort of the entry level need. That we just need grace to be right with God and get the ticket, have heaven secured. But we have far 
more needs than that of grace. See, what happens is you fall into one of two traps. There are two great enemies of grace. Two. One of them is legalism. We won't be addressing that one today. That's where you're just going to try to earn God's approval through rules. I'm going to take the ten rules. I'm going to do them. And then I will be approved. And that is legalism. And it's a huge trap for a lot of people. But here's the one that blindsides us. That we're not really in touch with. Perfectionism. Just trying to prove my worth by being perfect. In the book of Galatians, God says, when you try to earn God's smile on your life, God's pat on the back, God's approval, that's really dumb. It's really, really dumb. Galatians 3.3. 3. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now you are trying to make it complete by your own power. This is foolish. You know, if you're going to hit some restart buttons today and, and uh, as you go into a new year, the fact is, is that if it's just all on you, if it's just you have to be the source of your own power as a Christian, that's how you're going to live it out and you're going to just make yourself that source, that's really dumb. Because you, it, it's just going back to the same old cycle that God saved you out of, that God took you out of where it was all on you. Now, he says you are trying to make it complete by your own power. You're putting it all on you. And then he's the one that says, this is foolish. It's foolish. So let's talk a little bit about liberation and grace and how they function together. Because you need grace to break you out of the performance trap. You need to actually break out of a performance trap. You've been in it. You know it. You, uh, you, as we talk about this, it's going to expose it in your life and in your history so that you can make decisions today and have different interactions with yourself and with God so that you can actually begin to reboot the things that matter to you. So what does perfectionism do? What does it do? It's very destructive. Sometimes we make really light of it. Oh, they're just a perfectionist, or I'm just a perfectionist. This is really a, a, a hard thing on self. Perfectionism, and it's hard on others. Perfectionism is destructive. It's detrimental. It has no good thing in it. It is something that in your life, it's going to never produce the kind of life that you want to live. So let's take a look at three areas of huge uh, destruction that it brings. First off, it defeats your initiative. It really defeats my initiative. Have you ever had a project that you haven't seemed to get started on even though you know you want to start on it? I mean, it's a good thing. You want to do this. You want to get this project done. It's, it's the right thing to do. You know it is. Maybe the project is relational. Maybe the project is something structural in your life, economical within your life. You really want to get this done. You're, you're ready to do that. It's a good thing. And you think, one of these days I'm going to get around to it. But you never get started. The starting gun never goes off. One possible reason is perfectionism. In your mind, you're waiting for the perfect set of circumstances. You're waiting for the perfect timing. You're waiting for the perfect environment. When this comes together, when this emerges, when I have this in my possession, then I will start. You're waiting till the kids get out of school. You're waiting until the income's at this level. You're waiting until the debts are paid down. As a result, perfectionism causes procrastination because you set your standards so high and perfectionism will then turn into paralysis. And we become paralyzed in doing what we know is right because we are so honed in on the perfect set of circumstances and timings and environments. Look at what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11.4. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. 
Right now, if you're waiting to kick off some of the good things you know are needed in your life, one day I'm going to leave this habit behind. One day I'm going to take on this new habit. One day I'm going to actually bring about change in this relationship and carry my load a little differently. One day I'm going to look at this character issue and I'm going to... If you're living in the one day, you more than likely have some real deep perfectionism issues. Because that is procrastination. And we hold back. Ecclesiastes 11.4, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. There is no perfect conditions. There's just the right things to do and you do them and don't let those internal conditions hold you back from that. Secondly, it damages my relationship. It creates huge damage in relationships. In fact, this is a core of most of the damage that's going to be done in your relationship Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It is going to be a huge core of it. I mean, do you enjoy being around somebody who's always correcting what you do? How many just would say, hey, I'm just seeking out people who will correct me. How's that at the top of your friend list? I'm just looking for people to correct me and everything. You don't like it. Your kids don't like it when you correct them. And you don't like it when your wife corrects you. And wife, you really don't like it when he corrects you. The fact is, we're not looking for people to correct us. And you're not going to have any enjoyment in that. Nobody likes being, can I use this term, nagged all the time. Corrected all the time perfected all the time, straightened out all the time. It's frustrating. It's irritating. And then you begin to get this little pushback and you get this going on in a relationship because you're resisting their correction. If you're a perfectionist, you're, you don't even recognize, there are times you're not even going to recognize what you sound like to the other person. You're not going to even recognize your language. You won't even recognize that. Oh man, that sounds awful controlling and it sounds awful demeaning because it's correction. And yet communication is very essential to, we would say, the vibrancy of a relationship. And yet when that communication is coming from the negative, driven by perfectionism. Did you do this? Why did you do that? When are you going to get that done? That wasn't good enough. I'm tired of. And that's just Linda's words. <laughs> the Bible says, love forgets, love forgets. This is a beautiful mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Put it all on the relational uh, calendar here. And he's saying love is great. It's fantastic. It's very, very good. But he's putting it out here, nagging about them. When they are still held central, and perfectionism will always focus on the weakness, not any strengths. It will always focus on the exposure, not on the covering. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. It damages relationships. Perfectionism. This desire to always correct damages relationships. Now, all of us are perfectionists to some degree. So we're all in this bag. We can't run from this one. What it does is cause us to look at the wrong thing. It's rooted in our own insecurity. And have you noticed that when you don't feel good about yourself, you don't want anybody else to feel good about themselves? If I don't like me, I certainly don't want you liking you. I want us all to be miserable together. Perfectionists who are harsh and demanding on other people are really harsh and demanding on themselves. They hold themselves at such a high standard and because they are doing that to themselves, they, have, they hold everybody else to that standard and they take great pains in their own work. But they're also a pain to everybody else. 
It damages the relational world that you're in. You'll be blind to that until it gets so apparent. The frustration level's so high. The communication starts to freeze up in the pole positions, north and south. The, the, the alignments of the forces, the military forces, the lines are entrenched. That's when you know it's gone so far that it has driven the relationship into such disconnection because total resistance to this perfectionistic approach. Third, it destroys my happiness. It just, happiness gets wiped out by this. Ecclesiastes 7.16 Do not be excessively righteous and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? That verse doesn't sound like it should be in the Bible. It, 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 it's like He's saying, you can take this thing to the extreme. He's not talking about genuine righteousness. He's not talking about real wisdom. He's talking about perfectionism. Because you can take any virtue and make a vice out of it. You can take any virtue that you're strong in, and this is what we tend to do, and then we make it a vice. And behind that is that perfectionism, because when we do that, we're trying to deal with insecurity. And so we'll take the virtues that we are strong in, turn them into a vice to such a degree that they become the thing that's doing the destruction of your very own happiness. So he's saying, why ruin yourself? The God's Word translation says, why make yourself miserable? Why do that? In our own minds, we've got a certain picture of our ideal self. And all of our interactions get measured by that picture. Uh, that's, see, what you put on a job application is that picture. The ideal self. Not too many people put on the job, well, I'm good for about six of uh, 12 months of a year in attitude. I'm good for about, you know, three months of hard work uh, for, you know, the year. I'm, nobody puts on you know, any kind of weakness on the job, we put in the picture the ideal uh, of what we have of ourself. Can you imagine on a first date showing up and, and saying on the first date, actually they've got some pretty funny movie scenes on this, where all, all of a sudden the person is doing the confession, well, here's my negatives, you know. Nobody shows up at a first date and then, boom. Well, if you do, there won't be a second date. He's saying, why would you do this? Well, it's because we always have this picture that we're trying to project and there's a major gap between the ideal and the real, which means that is where happiness gets destroyed. It's in between that gap. The ideal and the real. There's a gap there. There's a major gap between that. And so then the nagging the re in your mind it, it, you're, you start to actually nag your own mind. This is, going, this is an ongoing conversation in your mind all the time. Shape up. Surely you could do better than that. Get with it. Why did you do that again? Aren't you ever going to change? If this little, that little scolding going on in your mind when you're in perfectionism mode, you're always saying to yourself, I'm too skinny, I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too uncoordinated, I'm awkward, I'm always late, I'm never going to change, I'm not good at this, I'm dumb, on and on. And that kind of recording plays over and over and over and reveals the gap. And the, there's no happiness in that. Nagging doesn't work, but ask yourself that. Does nagging work? It doesn't work at all. It only makes you defensive when you're going at yourself, and it's only going to make the other person defensive if you're going at them. You're, the, the worst nag of your life lives under your own skin here. And if you're typical, you are your own worst critical. And so the critic inside you is revealing the gap and constantly focused there. So it's on that negative. And that negative destroys happiness. You think by nagging yourself into what's wrong with you that's going to motivate you into doing the right thing. That is perfectionism. I use the negative. I focus on the negative to do the right thing. This is not Christ's way. 
This is not what we're taught. This is not the way of grace. But it's the way that it often is within our lives. You learn perfectionism growing up. You've learned it from adults around you. You've learned it from systems of education. You've learned it from systems of sport. Uh, you've learned perfection. It's been modeled for you. The, the good point is here, you learned it. That's a good point. Because it, it brings us to this. You can unlearn it. And you need to unlearn it. You need to recognize this as a huge issue. Because if we're going to reboot life and things that really matter to you and they're going to bring breathe new life into you, this thing has to die. It has to be laid aside. And we must no longer be comfortable with these kind of inner conversations with ourselves. And we must understand how to form a new conversation with ourselves and with others. God's voice is often misinterpreted. In fact, what we tend to do is take what we learned about in, you know, perfection, and we take that, and whether it's come from parents or culture or whatever, and we make it God's voice. And now you've got God all the time saying to you, come on, can't you do any better? Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing this? Always telling you what's wrong, that he's always focused on your gaps, and you've mistaken it for the voice of God. And so you've got this God that's focused on your gaps and he had this constant big critic in the sky and you end up losing relationships, initiative, happiness. That's because that's not God's voice at all. So what does the antidote? How do we begin to really deal with perfectionism and get beyond that and re reconstitute this communication and reconstitute how we approach the gaps that are surely in all of our lives. It's not found in any therapy. There's no pill to take. It's not listening to the talk shows. It's, it's none of that. There's only one antidote to perfectionism. It's, it's, it's not in some series you're going to buy in some, in some infomercial. It's, it's not psychological. It's not pull yourself up by bootstraps. There's only one antidote to perfectionism. You must experience. You must experience the grace of God. And learn to relax in that same grace. That is a very difficult, we're going to talk about how you do that. So how do I do that? How do I begin to do that? It's going to take a process. Because this thing won't quit hitting at you, but you have to create a whole new communication. So you must start with right beliefs to secure that communication. And the first right belief is, is you have to accept that nobody's perfect, which keeps you on that list. There is nobody perfect. The Bible says very clearly that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That everybody's in the very same condition. We have these huge gaps between what is right, what we believe to be right, and the right things to do, and then our actual performance of those things. That the performance far is less than what actually is required. It's a no-brainer to accept that nobody is perfect. And you just realize this. In Psalm 119.96, it says, Nothing is perfect except God's word. So that's why you need to build your life on God's word because nothing else is perfect. So what society tells you isn't perfect. What popular opinion tells you is not perfect. What you learned growing up isn't perfect. But God's word is. So you must take the scriptures and what is it saying about you? What does the scriptures, where, where, does, it, where does it pick you up? What's the journey and where does it leave you? How does it work in relationships? What do the scriptures say about you in relationships? And where does it pick you up? Where does it journey with you? And then where does it leave you? God's word will always take you forward in that grace-filled way. You have to get in the book. 
You've got to make that the foundation. If you're going to continually take what the world is saying in all of its different, uh, you know, channels into your life, and you're going to take it from movies, you're going to take it from uh, some other kind of source, I-, I want to tell you that you're never going to beat perfectionism. You're only going to re- be reinforcing it because every one of those models is bringing it all back to you and your power. There be the big, big wrong. If you spend all your time trying to attain perfection, trying to make any project perfect, you really are wasting your time. 92% is still a great mark on any exam. 100%. If you can live 100% of anything in a consistent manner from now to the day you perish, Buy into perfectionism. But that'll just be in one area of strength and you won't even get it done there. So we must accept this reality that all of us, you know, and we always fall short with this. It says in the scriptures, there is no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. I'm glad that no one's in there. No one. No one. So when you're looking at other people and you say, man, they got their act together. No one on earth does what is right all the time. It never makes a mistake. Years ago, there was a book that came out and said, I'm okay, you're okay. It should have had a subtitle, baloney. <laughs> you're not okay. Let me, let me give you new information potentially. Today, you are not okay. You're not okay. There's all kinds of gaps in your life. There's all kinds of things that don't rise to that perfection model. There's all kinds of things that are not hitting the mark. The point is, the truth is, I'm not okay, you're not okay, but because of God's grace, that's okay that you're not okay. You better get adjusted that you're not okay, and it's okay because of God's grace that I'm not okay. That's a one big adjustment that can start to deal with perfectionism at its core. I'm imperfect. There's a lot of things in my life that are not okay. And you are imperfect. And you have a lot of things in your life that are not okay. But when you and I accept God's grace, he says that's okay. You don't have to be perfect. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that God isn't interested in my growth? Of course he wants me to grow. Does, does that mean I don't have to repent? No, of course you have to repent. Does that mean God doesn't want me to change and work on areas? No, he wants you to change. When God says this, you're okay because of my grace, that doesn't mean you can just keep on being a jerk the rest of your life. It just means that God isn't waiting for you to change for him to love you. That you have a foundation that covers the gap and doesn't expose the gap. It covers it so that it can heal. So that you can honestly grow in a humility and not be hiding imperfections, but letting those imperfections be engaged by the best tools that God will give you. If you accept His grace... You're okay. Because God's love and grace is the power, it is the engine that actually brings about the results that you're looking for. Because you cannot form perfection in your life. Second thing that we would deal with is just simply the enjoyment here of of God. Accept and enjoy God's unconditional love. That word enjoy is key. Accepting and then enjoy. To enjoy it. The, that's one thing that you'll lose through perfectionism is this joy very quickly. First John 3 1 says, see how very much our Heavenly Father loves us for he allows us to be called his children. Think of it. And we really are his children. When you receive Christ, You become a part of his family. You literally become one of his children. When you became a believer, when you became a follower of Christ, you're not just a servant of God anymore. You are a child of God. Uh, A lot of people think, "I I give my life to Christ and the rest of my life I'm going to serve him. 
Sure you are. But you are more than a servant, much, so much more. You are now a child of the king. You joined the royal family. You're one of God's family, and you're a child of God. Now, here's the difference. A servant is accepted and appreciated on the basis of what he does. A child is accepted and appreciated on the basis of who he is. A servant starts the day anxious and worried that his work will please his master. A child rests in the secure love of his family. A servant is accepted because of his workmanship, but a child is accepted because of his relationship. This is why there is such damage done in homes when parents do not practice that kind of acceptance and that kind of love. And the kids are treated as servants first. You know, at the end of the day, a servant has peace of mind only if he has proven his worth by his work. But the next morning, the anxiety begins again. Just a cycle. A child can be secure all day knowing that tomorrow won't change his status. When a servant fails, his whole position is at stake. In fact, he, he might lose his job. But when a child fails, he is grieved because he's hurt his parents and he'll be corrected and disciplined, but he's not afraid of being thrown out of the family. And his confidence is belonging and in being loved and based not on his performance, but on the stability of the position of being a child of God. God says, I want you to enjoy the unconditional love of God. If you're going to actually recalibrate many things in your life, it is love in your life and your relationship to unconditional love that will produce the kind of changes that you desire. If you're dealing with conditional love, you will stay in this kind of performance mindset. Perfectionism will get its bite very hard and you will find yourself losing joy. How many here are parents? Okay. Some of you didn't raise your hand. That concerns me. <laughs> Be proud. How many here are parents of perfect kids? Okay. One hand went up. It's got the perfect kids. Okay. It's perfect kids. Perfection. Do you love your kid? No, when the kid, when the kid colors, when they're just toddlers or whatever, I, I got on one of the Christmas Eves, I got this beautiful colored, or no, it was on Christmas morning. I, I got this beautiful colored little thing by just a young girl, and she wanted to give this to me, and she colored it during the service because we gave out that for the children as they were in the Sunday morning service. I've got it in my office. I've got it in my office. And, and uh, I looked at it, and she did a very nice job of staying in the lines, but of course, it's not perfect. And I didn't say to her, oh, you could have done better here. <laughs> oh, I don't like your choice of color there. Oh, do you know what lines are for? I didn't say anything like that. Because the gift and who she was was like, wow, thank you. This is Beautiful. Not perfect. Beautiful. I didn't, I didn't do that at all. Um, I, I, I didn't say it was a Picasso. But where she was at, it was beautiful. Do you love your children at every stage of their growth? Or are you waiting until they mature first? And yet God's love far exceeds yours. Yours still has conditions. His is unconditional. So God is wanting this unconditional love to be a sustenance in your life. No matter what condition, no matter where your color outside the lines, no matter how poorly it seems that it's gone for you, no matter how big the gaps feel for you, you have a celebration beginning of the unconditional love of God who says, wow, 
thank you. Even when you give things in your life that are not so great to God, he's saying thank you for giving me these imperfections. Some of you think God's waiting on you to grow up before he's going to smile on you. And you're never going to get his smile until you hit that perfect maturity. You don't understand. That's, that's not God. That's something in your cultural voice. He loves you unconditionally. And his smile is on you right now. You say, no, I can't, can't be. I know my gap. I, I, all I can see is my gap. And then I see God through my gap. And I know he must not be smiling on this gap. That is not God's voice. God is smiling on you. Because it is a gift of grace. It, the unconditional love of God is a gift of grace. He loves you now. I don't have to be perfect for God to love me. He understands me completely. He knows every little thing. The good, the bad, the ugly of my life. Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now notice the, the phrasing. He's not just saying God is with us. God is for you. Have you ever, just take that phrase. God is for you. That you say, yeah, he will be one day when I get this. He will be one day when I quit doing this. He will be. No, 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 no. Right now, right now at this moment, this millisecond, God is for you. He's for you. That changes the whole math equation. That changes where, where, where you're going to draw your joy out of. It's a hard thing to accept for some people because we were trained, customized, programmed to think of conditional love. And we always think about our gaps and that we didn't measure up. That's perfectionism. That's what's going to hold you back this year. That's what's going to bring damage and destruction to your relationships, to your initiative. It's not going to propel you forward. Your perfectionism is the greatest anchor you've got in the negative to hold you back. And that's why the enemy, by the way, in your life is the accuser. And he focuses on your gaps. And when you're in agreement with him and you're thinking, you cannot go forward in the way you want to. You can't reboot. The computer is shut down until those files are cleaned up. His love is unconditional. So you don't have to measure up. So another thing here is you've got to really let God be in control, let God handle things in your life. You must accept God's handling of the uncontrollable. This is a great sign of your perfectionism is when you're trying to control things that are not in your control, which by the way is most of life. It is a root of perfectionism, this desire to control. I want perfectionism for me in my home. I want perfectionism from you. Uh, nobody can come in my home until it's perfect. Nobody can come into my car until it's perfect. Nobody comes in my garage until it's perfect. Nobody comes into my life until I got this perfect. Then they can see me with my perfection. Control is a, is a, is a huge deal. Supported by their kissing cousins, by, by simply perfectionism. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety in because he cares for you. See that word cast is a fishing term. That, you know, we would recognize that. When you cast a line, if you're a fly fisherman, you cast repeatedly, you're holding on to that line or the rod and reel, and there comes a point in the cast where you have to take your fingers off at the right time as you let it go. And if you do, if you, if you do, you it's going to go out. The fly is going to go out. If you don't, it doesn't go out. Letting go is a power that you can do because of grace. You can let go of what happened this year that you wished hadn't. You can let go of regrets of years gone by. You can let it go. In fact, you must let it go. But if you have only a, 
a way of acting in which you hide, you uh, put it behind doors. If that's your way, then you're really wanting control. Perfectionism is working overtime in your life. You must let go. Proverbs 14.30 says, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Now that's a good one. Things don't have to be perfect for me to be happy. I don't need the perfect vacation. No such thing as a perfect marriage. You married a sinner. And she married a bigger one. There is no perfect marriage. Because you've got two imperfect people. How can two imperfect people put together have a perfect relationship? There are no perfect kids. There's no such thing as a perfect body. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect job. God says, the Bible says, nothing is perfect except God's word. So there's nothing perfect except for your pastor. (laughs) We'll edit that part out. You got to learn to enjoy the middle world. Where your imperfections are confronted by grace, not by this voice that focuses only on the negative and creates condemnation. You must get joy out of the middle world. Let God handle things. Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever situation I am. I've learned to be content no matter what state I'm in. He just says, I just learned it. I thank God, he says, for, the, for you all. I've learned to be content in whatever state I am. Finally, you need to act in faith. Like, there has to be an understanding uh, that you accept the practice of your faith. It's your faith that bites in to that undeserved love of God, that unconditional love of God. It's your faith that is a very important mechanism that is the grasp of that. And saying, no, he loves me. No, it's for me. And right now, it's for me. You know, I, I am looking to grasp by my faith this incredible grace that he has brought. Look at Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is that grasp. It grasps for you. That great gift of grace. And that is the beginning of the, of the destruction of your perfectionism. I put my faith in God's grace. That's how you got into the Christian life. But look at this scripture. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. He's saying in the same way that faith grasped grace for you to be saved, to get your salvation your forgiveness of sin, a place at home in heaven. He's saying, now, in the same way, continue to live in him. So you are, you're, you're not saved by grace and then live by works. You are saved by grace, you live by grace. You grow by grace, you change by grace. Perfectionism is just a sign of you being in control. You need to understand that literally everything in your life is simply a gift from God. It's, it's just accept, accept this great peace, this great grace that comes. Just finish up with a few thoughts on it. Some of you really need to understand this key truth. That everything in your life is a gift. Get rid of this ownership model, that's wrong. Your own life is a gift. You wouldn't even be alive if it weren't for the grace of God. The air you breathe is a gift of grace. The mind that you have is a gift of grace. The ability to hear and see is a gift of God's grace. You wouldn't have it. You certainly didn't earn it. Everything that God does in your life, he does for one reason. Grace, grace. God God teaches you by grace. He forgives you by grace. He guides you by grace. Not because you deserve it. God God uses you by grace. God gives you gifts and talents by grace. God blesses your life by grace. God gives you friends and family and freedom by grace. Absolutely nothing in your life did you earn. You say, hey, 
Hey, hey, I earn my salary, my income. Where do you think you got the ability to make that money? The ability came from God. If he hadn't given you the ability and the hands and the brains, you wouldn't even do that. Everything in your life you owe to God. Absolutely nothing in your life did you earn. It's all by grace. You live because of this great gifting that he's constantly giving to you and you need this gifting all of the time of grace. Understand this truth is one thing. It doesn't guarantee that you'll live by it. If you were a perfectionist before you became a believer, then the tendency to take all those perfectionistic tendencies and put them on God and make God the unpleasable parent and he's the one who's always nagging you, well, that only pushes you away from God. It pushes you away from the source of unconditional love and grace that you need. Don't live in this prison anymore. Perfectionism is a prison. Trust in God's grace. Have you lived in this prison? It's self-imposed. It's self-imposed. For you as a believer, this is self-imposed. Even if you don't even have your faith in Christ, it's self-imposed because you could have Christ. I don't have to try to make things perfect in order to prove my worth. I don't, that's a prison. That's a prison. The final thing that you see up here is accept God's peace in exchange for my perfectionism. Perfectionism will never produce any peace in your life. Never. Perfectionism destroys peace. You're going to live with one or the other. Perfectionism or peace. You, you can't, they, don't, they don't live together. So here's the offer. This is the offer Jesus Christ makes. Still valid today. It's an offer that really can't, you, you really can't refuse today. I hope you don't. Matthew 11, Jesus says, are you tired? Christian, hear this. Christian, are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Why? Because now perfectionism is not in charge. And you are now in the place where you can accept and live within the unconditional love and grace of God. That is the source of peace. And I will show you how to take a real rest. Then this phrase, I love the way this was put. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Well, I'm going to force change. I'm going to force, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to make sure I never do that again. I'll never do it again. That's guaranteed you'll do it again. Unforced rhythms of grace because it just, grace doesn't force. It covers. It heals. It puts a focus outside yourself. God is perfect. And because God is perfect, he expects his children to be perfect. Jesus even said it. He said, be perfect even as I am perfect. But he also knows there's no chance you're going to be perfect. He knows that's an impossibility. So he came up with grace. So you're either going to hang on to this idea of perfection that somehow you can attain that impossible goal or you're going to accept grace. Grace. That's why he sent Jesus. So there'd be grace for your gaps. We get in on his perfection. We now must learn to live by that same grace. And when the voices are taking on that condemnation, you need to recognize, don't, please do not call that God's voice. It doesn't heal, it doesn't nurture, it doesn't bring you forward. You're going to fail a lot in life, folks. I don't think that's news. You're going to fail many responsibilities that you've been given. You're going to fail this year. You're going to fail this year to live up to the expectations that other people place on you. You're going to let them down. You're going to fall on your, uh, fail your own uh, expectations. You're going to fall there. Of course, you're going to fail measuring up to God's standard of perfection. And the Bible does say all have sinned and fallen short, but you don't have to worry about that and make this next year about 
somehow through perfectionism, erasing your failures. Here's the only one failure that I'd say, don't fail this. You ready? Don't fail this this year. Start today. Make this your very first step. Hebrews 12, 15. Be careful that no one fails to receive God's grace. Don't fail in that. Because out of that is the power. Out of that is the peace. Out of that is the joy. Out of that is real change, real growth. Out of that, the Goliaths fall. Out of that, God's life emerges. Out of that, you find the best of life. Don't fail at receiving God's grace this year. And start today. Make that your first commitment of this series. I will not fail at accepting grace. Let's stand together. Today's the day we've kicked off a new series. We're going to deal with some very practical things relationally, economically. We're going to be talking about rebooting. But anything that we talk about from here on in is if you don't make this decision today, then frankly, anything that's going to be preached over the next four or five weeks won't work. In fact, the voice that has worked in you is only going to take it and it's going to put you in a place where, well, one day, one day, it's going to take away your initiative, it's going to bring damage, it's going to bring destruction. I don't want to reinforce destruction by telling you what is true or going through how to reboot something when you don't have the conditions for rebooting. The conditions for rebooting is only one thing, grace. Now that's great news. So wherever right now you know going into this year, I do want things to be different. I want to, I want to see change here. In this part here. But most of all, deal with perfectionism by making sure you receive God's grace. Don't fail in that. There's one failure you can't fail at. Don't fail in that. If you don't know Christ, that failure to accept and receive God's grace will keep you out of heaven. As a Christian, if, which most of us are vastly going to be here on this January 1 today, I want to say to you, don't make 2023 another year where we fail at receiving grace and we live by these condemning things in our life and then we'd have no power to reboot. So Father, as we bow our heads, we thank you for the amazing grace of God. We thank you that this is the replacement for perfectionism. We thank you that you do not focus on our gaps. You've given us something else to focus on, and that is your unconditional love and smile upon us. Totally undeserved. Totally undeserved. But totally given. I thank you for that as a believer in your son. I thank you for the grace that I have received. And I make a declaration to not fail at receiving your grace this year so that I might actually attain peace and joy, vitality, real change. you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, simple little prayer that you might pray in your heart. You might say, Father, perfectionism's killing me. I'm doing it all to myself. Forgive me for not receiving your grace, but right now I do. I make a choice to not fail at this one thing, to receive God's grace which is Jesus he bought and paid for it he is it 
and I receive him into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Now teach me how to completely reverse the way that I live. To focus on your grace and your unconditional love so that good things might really begin in In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Thank you.